0: Hey guys and welcome to personality bingo with me your host Tom Moran So this week on the podcast, we have Mark Canton. Mark is a writer, a performer, and someone who's going to be on the stage performing a one-man variety show at the Pierce Centre at the end of February. Uh, it's something that I have no idea what it's going to be like, but we've left a little clip to a little trailer that you can check out. It sounds incredible. I'm definitely going to be there, and I highly recommend that you guys check it out too. Mark is a really well-known writer on the Irish theatre circuit, um, as we talk about in the play, but he's written uh, plays like Jezebel. He's been a rough magic seed, and I'm really excited to see what the hell one man um, variety show is uh, but if there's anyone who can pull it off haven't met Mark uh, I'd say this guy could be the guy uh, guys in other news um, come and check me out in Romeo and Juliet I'm playing Romeo out at the mill theatre uh, we're running until the 16th of March uh, we're opening next week um, and tickets are going fast for that one we've got loads of daytime performances too uh, and some evening ones as well so do come and check us out uh, as I've been saying for a while uh, there's going to be some exciting news about some of my own writing that is going to be hitting the Irish stages um, at the end of March, the beginning of April, so um, do keep an eye out for that, because it'd be great to have as much support as possible for that, because it's something I've been working on for a while, uh, and I'm excited to tell you more about it, Uh, but until then, please enjoy Mark Canton playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. Tom Personality Bingo Tom Personality And ready to play personality bingo? I am. Okay, let's do it. So, uh, a quick explainer of how it all works. I have 60 minutes on the clock. Uh, there's 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also
1: so we have to do um, one question a minute. Is that right? Have I got the rules right already?
0: I, I mean, if you don't, it'll be highly <laughs> disappointing. Um, so, uh, I've also given you a sheet of paper with yes. five numbers randomly generated yes. on it. Will you do me a favour? Read out the five. Two,
1: 39, 23. Eighteen and fifty. These were randomly generated by your computer. I see. Yes. Yeah. This is a very—it's a fancy printout. Is that um—is that a—is that like a, a hologram? One of those things where you change it. You—if t- you turn it side to side, it makes different colors. It's one of those things, isn't it?
0: My listeners don't appreciate your sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm used to being Mr. Jokey Man on podcasts. Oh no, uh, no, no!
0: I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. You, you, you should just roast my podcast it is highly pathetic. Like when you say a bingo machine.
1: I, well, I'm glad to see there is a tombola here because I did listen to an episode and I didn't actually hear the tombola going so there is a real one here a tombola that yeah that's what I would call it what would you call that
0: I'd call it a bingo machine but I'm highly stupid well I would call that a
1: tombola um, yes good well, look, you know one of those bingo machines
0: yeah no it's legit this is actually this, a shout out to Stacey this is sent to us by a fan ah nice because all the way from Canada whoa because we we, are, we had a really shit bingo machine before whereas this one's pretty good Yes, great. So um, yeah, we're living the dream here. Um, I also want to ask you a second favor. Could you pick a, a sixth number, something oh, between yeah. one and sixty that's not on that sheet? Um,
1: now, yeah, okay. I'm gonna go for twenty four. It's right beside twenty three. I, I just wanted to, you know, make it make the randomness seem like
0: not random, but it is random. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I know what you mean because it's weird when you're like you're, you're picking number. Whenever you're picking a number that you want to come out, you're like, "What's like the one that like you pick a number between one and ten? No one's picking one or ten. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, You're, yeah. Gonna, you're gonna you're probably not picking five. You're gonna pick like a six, a four, a three. You're gonna try to think outside the box. You're gonna
1: yeah. You're probably gonna take a prime number like thirty seven. That sounds more random than thirty six. Right. 24, anything goes into 24. That's it's why we have a 24-hour clock, you know? There's so many numbers going to 24.
0: It's true. It's true. Well, This bodes well for you by the sounds of things. <laughs> uh, and I should also say that if all six of your numbers do come out, then the tables are turned and you get to ask me any question in the world. All right. All right, cool. Let's all give it a All right. All right. Oh, that it, straight out. Out the gate. Number 53, do you have it?
1: No. Okay, number um, 53.
0: Yeah. Do you have an obsessive personality?
1: Do I mm, no, probably not. I have no, uh like, obsessive compulsions or anything like that, you know. It's funny when occasionally friends will have conversations about, like, oh, yeah, I, I always have to do this. Like, a friend of mine used to, uh whenever he would, if he knocked... His hand off the table or something You would always have to do it with the other hand as well Just to even things out And then one day he said to himself "That's This is nuts I should stop doing this And so he did stop doing it um, But I never really The only one that I ever think of That I kind of had like that Was more in the days of landline phones If the phone was ringing I would feel a little weird uh, Answering it during the ring Oh because I would feel like I was interrupting it. <laughs> like I would feel, no, you finish and then I'll, and then I'll pick it up. Uh, please continue. All right, now my point is I'm answering the phone. Uh, yeah, so uh, apart from that, no, I don't think I have a lot of obsessions.
0: Mm. Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of, sometimes when I go to get my hair cut, I want to say to them, I want to be like, just I I have this weird pull in me to be like, I want like my hair to look real specifically and just the way I want it to look, but at the same time I'm like, well, look, as a creative person, you're a hairdresser. I'm sure you're very creative. I just want you to express yourself yeah. and, and do the thing, but like, God only knows what might happen. But I have this fantasy of someday going in. Have you ever done that, gone into a hairdresser and just said, Look, you tell me what you think would look good on my head? Uh
1: I use I guess I used to. I, d- I cut my own hair these days. Really? Yeah. Uh you can tell. Thanks. Um, the yeah, years ago, I just started. I was like, I think I could probably cut my own hair, and so I started doing that. And um, but the first time you do it is nerve wracking. Yeah, like it would be more difficult. You've got longer hair than me. Mm. It it it'd be more difficult to do that. But yeah, I just have a like trimmer thing, and I often have a bit more of a quiff than I do today. Mm. So yeah, I work around that. But it kind of gives. It gave me when I started doing that. It gave me the opportunity to feel like I had more creative license to mess around with my hair and be like, do you know I wonder what my hair would look like if I did this or I did that? Uh Did I? But then I used to have no idea. I, I'm not a great person for fashion or style or something. Mm. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I guess I've gone through different phases in with hair cutting. Years ago, I grew my hair really long. When I was in school. And then when I went into... I like I was kind of even just too nervous to go in and be like... Yeah, th- I've got stupid hair. Can you do something about that? So, yeah. So I would go in and then... Then I went through a phase of once a year... I would get my hair cut like cut down and it's completely shorn, and then just let it grow out for like a year it would get longer and longer and longer till it was yeah i have quite curly hair Mm. which you can't tell now because it's quite short but it would be yeah kind of almost a fro kind of thing um and yeah the one one time i really regretted i went to a different hairdressers than i normally went to um I won't name and shame them because maybe they were just on an off day or maybe it was like... But I, I ended up with what I call the rigs, which was kind of like uh, from from Lethal Weapon. Like, it was it was almost a mullet, but it was kind of curly and then just kind of a flap of, of hair at the back. And I was just disgusted. I was like, this is appalling. How did you... And I think I said, like, yeah, can you kind of cut it short on the sides and... And leave it a bit longer on top. And he did the exact opposite. I th- yeah, he took far too much creative license when I had given him instructions, yeah. and ended up with a disaster.
0: Okay, what would what would your feelings be if I don't know? Is if you were to be told like you were gonna you were gonna go bald in the morning? How, how like how important is your hair to you?
1: I have dreams about that. Really, going bald. Every, uh, pretty much every male relation I have is bald. Mm. Um my dad is super bold, my mother's father is bald, all my uncles and b were bald. So when I was a teenager I was like, Yeah, probably by the age of time I'm twenty I'm gonna be bald. So like there's photos of my dad as a kid and there's photos of my dad bald. Like there's no there was no in between. It was just eighteen, bam, there he was, just hair went straight back and he grew a mustache and that was it, he was done. Um So, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I'm 39 now, and I still have hair all over, on my head. Um, So if somebody said to me, you're going to go bald tomorrow, I suppose I'd be pretty disappointed. Mm. Because I, you know, sometimes I feel like it's one of the few things I've got. You know, like, well, at least I kept my hair. I mean, you know, I mean, and then, but then it's kind of disappointing when, like, when people, when women are like, yeah, I don't mind if a guy's baller. I'm like,
0: damn it. I don't even have that. Come on. You're very youthful looking. 30, 38, 39. 39. I was surprised when you said that. I thought you were going to. If you told me you were like 32, I'd be like, of course, yeah.
1: Thanks. Thanks very much. What's, um, your, what's your secret? I don't know. I mean, it could be just genetic or, or something. I I don't drink. I don't smoke. I never done caffeine either, so maybe those things contributing to it.
0: You look like someone who doesn't drink. Like I know it's a weird thing to say, but like, you your skin looks like the skin of a man who doesn't drink. Yeah. Does that make any sense?
1: I guess it does. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Even as a kid, I guess I kind of had. I mean, I had spots as a teenager and stuff, but mm. yeah. I mean, I'm slightly dark as well for an Irish person. Mm. Um. So I don't know My skin has always been Yeah
0: Was there uh, reasons behind Not wanting to drink Or was it just something You never had to grow up for
1: Yeah I don't know I could probably do a whole series On um, I mean the po- Possible reasons Why I don't drink It's never um, Yeah it's never Just never really appealed to me And then the The longer I've gone without it The kind of simpler it is I cycle home at the end of the night. Don't have to... Like, it saves you so much money. Um And as well, generally, I feel like, well, I'm having as much fun as anybody who's drinking is. So, why would I bother? Mm. I don't know. I, I... Maybe it would have helped with, like, when I was younger. I mean, I'm rabbiting on now, and I, most people wouldn't think of me as a shy person, but I when I was... A, a kid and into a teenage years I was very shy and maybe if I'd yeah or in my 20s maybe if I'd been more of a drinker I don't know that might have helped with that shyness or something Mm. but yeah I don't know I just never just never got into drinking
0: did you ever find it to be like um did you ever find if you were like for example going on a date and the person you're going on a date with, like... You know, it would be a common enough thing to be like... You know, yeah, l- let's go l- for a drink. Yeah, did you ever... And fu- I
1: don't drink coffee either. So, I mean, it's it's a nightmare asking people I'd yeah. on a drink. Because, you know, like... These are the common things. Let's go for a drink. Let's go for coffee. So, I'll say, let's do those things. And then I won't do them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so... But I usually try and get it in... Uh, somewhere. I am a single person. Um, So if I'm asking... Like, if I'm chatting to somebody, I'll try and say this before they meet up. Before we meet up, you know, by the way, I don't drink. If that's weird, or if you think that'll be impossible, then so be it. Um,
0: Has anyone ever said, yes, that's weird, it's impossible?
1: I... I don't think... There was, I think, I'd said it to her. i meant chatting to one girl on one of the apps, and and it was kind of funny because um, for some reason, you know, some we exchanged numbers, so we were then chatting on WhatsApp, uh, having not met, and uh, and then it emerged later that. The Tinder had broken on her, so she couldn't log into her Tinder anymore. So I was kind of like, ha, you're stuck with me now. Like you, you can't get another guy. You're logged. You're you're locked out. You, this is it. This is your only option." Uh, so, so we met up, and I, I guess maybe I hadn't mentioned to it, it to her, but yeah, when she found out she, that I didn't drink, she was like, "Ah, oh, what's the oh God's sake!" Yeah, she was pretty disappointed. Yeah. And we didn't meet up again after that. Interesting. Um, but uh, I can't remember what the question was.
0: Oh, who knows? You
1: get yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, here we go. Number
1: 60. Do you have it? No. no. I thought about uh, getting writing down 60, but I didn't. Okay.
0: In terms of artistic creation, what drives you to do what you do? Hmm. Um... But when when I say to do what you do, do you consider yourself? I know you do a lot of things. So, yeah. do they all come from the same place, or is your playwriting feel very different to your improvisation, to your like performance of a play that you've written, or being an actor in someone else's play? Do you know what I mean? They, yeah, they probably come from the same root
1: cause, but feel different in outcome. Maybe, mm. I mean, in truth, it's probably just to. Try to get love, do you know, mm. um, and appreciation from people. Everything I do. Uh, some friends were chatting about that uh, a while ago, and they were just saying, "Oh, you probably don't care what people think of your work, or you know." And I was kind of like, "No, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this all for." It's a funny thing. I don't know if you get this, like, that you want praise, but then when people give it to you, you're like, "Oh, I shut up." You know,
0: talk about that all the time. Yeah. Oh, really? On the show. Yeah. I mean, like that was uh, one of the, um, one of the. I I have dabbled in therapy, and one of the things that we talked about was that. And like, it's so weird because like that praise is so important for me, but I find it really hard to let that sit in my chest. Yeah. Like the minute I get it, I'll let it get to about here, and I fire it straight back, and I'm like, "Yeah, where are you?" Do you know what I mean? I don't want to talk about it, but it's really important that like, or you know, I think I'm much better at it now, and if someone. Gives me a compliment I I try and just say Thanks so much Yeah And look, put a full stop on it there Like that's lovely to say And I really do appreciate it Yeah um, But yeah it's it, What is it? Why do you think that happens with us? Do we want to We're not comfortable with it? I don't know I don't know if I've ever thought about that before Like is it that you don't be- Like the, we don't believe it On some level?
1: Yeah if you believed it Would you just Would you then stop searching? Maybe Do you know? Um Yeah, I dunno. I yeah, I, I'm trying to be better at that and I, I, I am pretty good at that. Mm. If people compliment me on on something, I'll usually say thanks. Thanks so much. But you did it earlier before we started recording. Do you remember? You yeah. listened to one episode of my podcast with John Doran and uh you were like, Oh, it was really funny. I was like and I, and I think I said, as far as I remember, I said, Oh, thanks so much. And then and then you said, you know, that that kinda of got you interested in podcasting was listening to some of these kind of things. And then, so I made a joke then, like, yeah, if these guys, if this clown can do this, if they'll allow this rubbish on the internet, then I can do my own podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, there was definitely a... uh, um, a takedown of myself there as well.
0: Mm. That's a nice balance, isn't it? Because like it's one of them things, and it is like one of the lovely parts about like Irish humour, generally speaking, is that like there is a, like there is a lovely self-deprecation to it. That like, and again, I'm speaking really generally, but like I lived in America for nine months, and y- you just don't get that same level of self-deprecation there at all. Yeah, and like it's very it, it's funny actually.
1: It, yeah, I think the uh, the lack of self-deprecation in Americans is is maybe overstated. It. It's mm. de- it's probably true, but I think I know plenty of self-deprecating Americans. Um but maybe as a general thing that's true. Um but yeah, you wouldn't really like if somebody just never was self-deprecating, you you wouldn't be able to handle them. Like mm. you wouldn't, you'd be like, yeah, let's not invite him because I <laughs> can't handle that. And often that kind of thing like i guess i've known a few people you know you occasionally know people like that who just won't stop talking about how great they are and you're like yeah i can't handle that and it's probably coming from the opposite opinion inside themselves they're like i'm rubbish i've got i've got to convince everyone that i'm not um we did uh, yeah i do improv and i was in an improv team a few years ago uh that and we did a corporate show and it was the first time we've done a corporate sh- done a corporate show usually like i do a lot of improv shows vast majority of them go well so i'm reasonably confident in like it'll be great um and but this one it wasn't awful but it didn't go great we were in firstly it was a company where what they did was they it was their job to look at computer games and look at the translations of the dialogue or the whatever um, in a computer game and judge it. So they had people from everywhere uh, in Dublin, you know, so it was a lot of it was a huge international thing. So, I mean, I presume their level of English was pretty good, but still there's kind of, you know, cultural references or whatever aren't quite the same. Mm. Uh, also, it was in the canteen, and they started cleaning dishes with one of those industrial, like, hoses things halfway through. It was a barbecue. It was, like, their, I don't know, summer barbecue or something. And then we were the entertainment. And so anyway, yeah, so through the whole show, you, could just, you just couldn't hear what we were saying. So, yeah, it wasn't a great show. And afterwards, I kind of was like, oh, well who cares, but the rest of the group were kind of like, oh, that was, my God, that was just demoralizing, that was so embarrassing. But people, a couple of people came up to us after the show or were just passing us and were like, oh, brilliant show, guys, thanks so much. Or, and and yeah, I would just kind of say, oh, thanks so much, you know, and, and just be nice. Cause, because when you go to see someone else's play, maybe, and afterwards you're like, oh, well done, that was great. And when they turn around and they're like, yeah, it wasn't our best tonight. Yeah, it wasn't a great show. It kind of feels like a bit of a trail. It kind of feels like, oh, you know, it's it's kind of like, yeah, it, because it's a relationship in a way, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm not feeling it between us. You're like, oh, I thought we were in love. No, yeah. <laughs> no, nothing's going on here. Oh, oh, well, OK, thanks, play. I'll, yeah, I I'll hope you have a better time with the other nights of audience that come to see your play. Great. Uh, so yeah so I don't know when people even if I feel like it hasn't been the best show yeah
0: try and be <laughs> positive about it I guess do you think does it hurt more to like bomb on an improv show than it does in other mediums that you make
1: what yeah I don't I don't often mind I don't often bomb mm. and I can t- tell you about the worst time I bombed but Yeah, I don't, like, I did a play a few years ago and I wrote, that I wrote, I wasn't performing in it. And generally good reviews, some great reviews, some reviews, some bad reviews. And and some people, yeah, don't like to read reviews. You know, the director of the show maybe didn't like to read reviews. The producers would read them, you know. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I would just read the good reviews and the bad reviews and I'd be able to kind of take, you know, this, uh, take the bad review and be like, hmm, I agree with that, I don't agree with that. That's fine, if you think that. Um,
0: Is that different when you're a writer and your job is done once the play is up versus when you're a performer and regardless of what the review said or what the comments they might have made in your performance, you've still got to do your performance?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never been reviewed for improv. There's just not really improv reviews at the moment, mm. and
0: and nor should there be. I don't think. I don't feel like that's a form that should be reviewed.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess what's the point of of reviews? I never really read reviews. I just look to see how many stars and and reviewers were like, "Oh, I don't like putting stars next to things." I you know, but that's all I want to see because I I hate spoilers. Like I don't want to know anything like I think I saw the I haven't seen the film yet three billboards outside of wherever it is I saw last night okay I know that Francis McDormand is in it and then I saw someone else was in it and I was like oh I'm disappointed now that I found out someone else is in that film I've forgotten now who it is but like I, you know it would just be nice for that person to just turn up on screen beyond the name and the poster that Francis McDormand is in it I, I have no idea what that film is about and I don't want to know mm until I actually go and see it. Um,
0: What's the worst time you've ever bombed?
1: uh, I did stand-up comedy. I don't do stand-up comedy really much. And when I tell people, like, when I tell people I do improv, they'll often kind of forget and be like, so how's the stand-up comedy going? And I don't actually do that, but um, the improv is going well. Uh, Because people just kind of think of, like, if you say you're a comedian, people Mm -hmm. presume you're a stand-up comedian. Mm. Um, but anyway, I did when I was living in London back in two thousand and three. Uh, a friend of mine was kind of bugging me and be like, "Come on, you got to do stand-up comedy. Like this is the r- way in. Like this is where most like because I, you know, I wanted to and I still want to be a sitcom writer and and performer. And he was like, you know, so many of the sitcoms that you love are started by stand-up comedians. So you got to go and do stand-up comedy. So I signed up for this thing, uh, like an open mic night. And, um, yeah, I went on stage. And particularly at that point, I was too shy to be myself on stage. So I went up and did, like, several characters and didn't even segue with myself in between. And... uh, yeah, I did five minutes and not one single laugh for the whole thing. and um, But the guy, the friend, Nicky, who had bullied me into doing it, lived in Dublin at the time, but he happened to be in London for the thing. So he was there and not even he was laughing. And I was like, uh, you're the asshole that made me do this. You know, you could pretend to fucking laugh. Come on. Uh, but no, he didn't. Nobody laughed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I've done some stand up. Um, yeah, yeah, but like that. It's funny you say that because what I want to do is to yeah, like more or less make like make TV and and to be in it. Like I I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, you know. And I I had the same thing because like loads of my uh, like. Heroes would have like like I really like uh, you know like I really like Louis' show and I really like um, you know I don't Pete Holmes I don't know if you know his show he has a show called Crashing yeah and Mike Birbiglia I really like these guys right yeah uh, and I was like so I had the same mindset I was like well these all do this and um I did it and it was funny I I my first one went really well so then I was like all right this is like a thing so I, yeah. I, I and I probably did like I'd say I've done stand up about ten times and I'd say I've done well six or seven times done like bad once or twice and like just one night I just bombed really so bad it was my first ever night in the international club in the international bar uh, and which kind of was like oh I'm like Going places here because, yeah. like, you know, you see some great people yeah, there. Yeah, And uh, it was my first night on there, and like, but there was there was no one there. It, I was like on like one of the last of the night. Everyone had gone home. Oh, People's, really? English was bad, and that's not. representative Was it an open mic night or? No, I knew, but I knew the host. He was a friend okay. of mine, so he was no, able to. Yeah, but I thought generally
1: they put like the new newer person in like a middle spot. Funny, there. I was.
0: This was a mistake. This is a thing I learned. Ah. And a, 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 a well-versed comedian came up and he's like, "I have another slot to go to. Will anyone swap me?" And I was. Really new and green and I was like oh yeah me so Um, and I let him go in like a great spot he had a brilliant set and he was brilliant as well to be fair Uh, and then I went on in the second because I didn't know where to go and I wanted to watch everyone anyway just trying to like learn stuff and then I went on after and just like that like I got a, a handful of laughs and the reason I asked the question about the improv was that in stand up I think what I, my stand-up is it really is like me and it's fairly anecdotal and it's not it's not really like jokes it's normally stories more yeah. so you know whereas in an, an improv and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not an improviser but because you relatively speaking start with nothing so anything that ha- happens is coming from you and, and and the group obviously but that's why I wonder does it feel more personal when that doesn't go well because you're like well this is very much I'm digging from within myself so if they don't like it they don't like me Uh
1: no, I guess I wouldn't feel that. Um, to be cocky, like, I haven't had a bad show in quite a while. <clears throat> Generally, it goes pretty well. And even even the shows where, like, did a show on Monday and, and I was just feeling tired. I didn't think it was a bad show, but I was just feeling tired and wasn't feeling quite with it or enjoying it maybe as much as, as normal. And yeah, afterwards, people were congratulating, and you know, still enjoyed the show. Um, so, so I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't often have that experience of like this has gone terribly. Um, but 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 because, but because there is like a history of, generally, we do well. I if if there was a bad show where it just was like, this is tanking. Like, yeah, I would. I would generally feel like, oh, well, that's that's one out of, you know, a hundred. Mm. Forget it. Um, yeah.
0: What's the greatest lesson you've learned about improvising?
1: About improvising? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I would say one thing is... If you can, and I think it's true for stand-up comedy as well, that, like, with both stand-up comedy and improv, there is a hope from the audience, like, hope this is going to be funny, but there's also a fear of, like, and you know, because improv, like, I, I helped to run a show, uh, a night called Tightrope, which mm-hmm. is on every Sunday and Monday and on Shaw. And we have about 20 groups that are performing there. So there's usually three groups a night. And... um then we kind of rotate rotate through, and it's a different mix mix up. So, kind of like stand up comedy, you know, you are like you could love the first group and the second group not so much, and the third group are great or whatever. Um, you know, y- you'll have your favorites and your the ones that you don't like so much or whatever. Um, so, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say about that. So, so, so you want to? So, the audience is kind of like is this going to be a good one or a bad one? And if you can walk on stage, like I kind of want to walk on stage and just without even saying it to the audience, just be like, relax. You know, we've got this. It's all right. It always works out for us and it'll be grand. And then once they can relax, like they've got it. I don't know why I know that like now, but it's grand. That guy looks relaxed. So he must be able to do this you know, whatever this is. um, So that's a key element, I guess. You know, and same with stand-up. Like, if you can say to the audience within the first 30 seconds, don't worry, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. nervous, so you sh- don't need to be nervous. Then we'll be grand. And even if I don't have a joke for the first two minutes, if I look relaxed, then, you know, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Even if... <clears throat> even if things aren't funny, like, there's some improv groups which you kind of do more longer, like, uh, more dramatic slightly more dramatic stuff that'll get to the jokes later on but if you're like like if you're making jokes that aren't landing then and i guess if you look worried about it then the audience is gonna be like "Ooh, this isn't you know these guys don't have it but if you're just doing drama you know like in getting us invested in the characters then we as an audience will be like, okay, they're they're building somewhere. They're going somewhere. That's fine. We're, we don't need to be laughing all the time. Grand.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Same with storytelling, I would guess, you know, and stand-up.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've just got to, yeah, you got to, yeah, trust it and relax into it a little bit. Yeah. It's tricky though. Right, We give it a spin? Oh, yeah. Sometimes you forget that we have... Permission. Yeah, I feel like I haven't
1: asked, answered... Half of the questions that you've asked, asked me But I've said something about everything I'm like, no, well, I don't know about that But I'll answer this question in my head instead How about that?
0: That's the trick to this podcast Like the questions are only there to like p- Poke someone for anecdotes Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's great when the guest disregards the questions To be honest Like <laughs> yeah, that is fine yeah. by me uh, Okay, number 58, do you have it? No Alright, number 58 um, If you were to have a child Would you bring them up? I'm, or, try, I'm now
1: currently trying to figure out What are the probabilities Have you figured that out?
0: Yeah, well, as in, like, so it's it's sixty. So it's, yeah. Like, yeah, we we've done fifty two. That we we've got about fifty six or seven episodes in the can. Fifty out, right? Yeah. Um, and so I th- I think by the time we hit like episode number sixty, like in theory, we should have got someone to get all five, but it hasn't happened. We had someone get two five, but sometimes I go slow, and I'm just enjoying the chat. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Slightly. Yeah, you don't have a s- s- set amount. I can't remember the formula. I did maths in college, but I can't remember the formula for figuring out what the probability is of... Like, the probability that any of these balls... So the first one w- would have been 1 in 10, that it would have been one of these. And now you've already got three balls on the table. So so it's 57 in... It's 6 in 57. So it's, it's still roughly 1 in 10. But yeah. Anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah, look, we be It's no use. It's yeah. I
1: I can't. You know, I apologise, listeners. I know you're all dying to know. Well, what are the actual chances? Well, how am I going to be gam betting on this uh, in the bookmakers? If uh, you know, is that what happens? Do people place bets on that in in, uh, Paddy Powers? What are the chances by by the end of March that they will have a uh, complete bingo on uh, personality bingo?
0: It's like the EuroMillions.
1: Yeah, it's a rollover every week. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's okay, we good. Got reviewed. Um, Sorry, what was the question?
0: If you were to have a child, would you bring them up at religion?
1: No. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you I'm have not, a child? I don't, okay. uh, and I'm not a religious person, and um, yeah, I I'm really not a fan of religion. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be a difficult situation, and it's uh, if. If I fell in love with someone who was deeply religious or something, I just don't. It would just be really difficult. I I really don't believe that that way of thinking, never mind the things that are said, is is good. Is a good way to approach life. Mm. Like believing this with no evidence or despite ev- evidence to the contrary, um, I think is it leads to a lot of problems. Um, I think I think, you know, we've really got to look for what are the best what is the best answer here? What evidence do we have? Let's try and take human you know accounts out of the equation as much as possible because humans are so fallible. I had a funny thing happen recently. I think it's funny but uh, I'll get a plug in here for a podcast that I'm producing called Sleepy Time with Stephen Bradley. It's a good, it's a comedy fun show. Stephen Bradley is an improviser and a stand-up comedian. And I'm actually, because I was producing it, I, I'm i the guest on the first episode. We were just like, well, let's just give it a go and see how it works out. So the first episode is out there now and uh, you can listen to it with me. You can listen to more of me being a guest. Uh, but... Uh, in that in that podcast and this is yeah in that in that podcast uh we recorded a couple of months ago and um i at one point i talked about how like it's weird the way if you're at your front door and you need to go to the toilet it's like this is happening like there's no way to stop this uh you're going to piss yourself but if you're lying in bed you're like I don't need to piss for an hour. I can lie here for an hour and... Like, you haven't pissed in, you know, in in ages because you've been to sleep or something. It's like, ah, na na. I can check, you know, Instagram a little bit longer before I need to go to the loo. So I said that to Steve. And then a couple of weeks ago, so six to seven weeks after that, Steve tweeted out pretty much that as as his own kind of joke. He phrased it better and in, in, in a funnier way. And... I read that on Twitter. I was like, good point, Steve. I wish I'd thought of that. And like, I'd completely forgotten. So then before we put out the first episode of his podcast recently, I listened back to the first episode. I was like, I said that. Wait a second. We both forgotten that this was a line for me. So I think it's just funny the way that Steve, I guess, you know, and it's entirely innocently. And maybe he thought of it separately. I don't know. Um, But uh, yeah, he tweeted that out as a thought of his own. And I believed him. Because I had forgotten, like, that human memory is just so fallible and malleable, and that's been shown in experiment time and again. So when people are like, well, this one time I prayed to St. Anthony and then I found my crossbow, it's like, yeah, but that's just, you've got to put this thing to experiment for us to know if it's true or not. We can't just listen to anecdotes. Otherwise, you have to believe in every religion in the world. You know, because they all have anecdotes where I, I, you know, prayed to whatever, and and uh, and then the thing happened that I wanted to happen, and you know, so I don't know. I think we, I think we would be living in a better world without religion.
0: So, do you subscribe to? I, I use this as an example sometimes when you talk about this because I'm, you know, um,
1: are you a religious person?
0: No, I, I I come from a very religious family. Yeah, and I used to be. I used to, I used to want to be a priest. Yeah, yeah, but I think I really just wanted to be like an performer actor or yeah. a performer. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. I was like, well, that's kind of it. Um, yeah, but I won't lie. I, I go, to, I go to mass probably twice a year. Um, I go on Christmas Eve with my family. Yeah, um, and I, I, li- I actually enjoy it. I enjoy the ceremony of it, and I enjoy the community of it, and I like singing with people and i like shaking hands like i like those things where it gets tricky and i i, I, I at, and at the same time while i believe everything i'm saying i don't disagree with anything you're saying you know what i mean and i appreciate that that might make yeah. me slightly full of shit i'm not sure but like you know it gets tricky then when you look at well you're really showing support for like um uh structure that is like perpetrated so much violence against the most yeah. vulnerable people in in our society and like so I can see my own hypocrisy in this but where it's interesting for me is like and I've said this countless times in the podcast but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it someone like my granny she's 90 years old grew up really religious two priests in the family all this stuff very very religious and her husband my granddad died about two years ago Mm. and it's the only comfort really she can take now because you know you know she's 90 she's like yeah. in her house the whole time and like her hope and her belief is that you know she will see him again in heaven and that's i think that's the thing that kind of keeps her you know i don't know is it keeps her happy or keeps her alive or whatever it is but it feels to me like that's a really important thing to her yeah what do you think of that when you can see it in individuals and that you're like well this is actually like this is good for you or do you do you not believe that it is good for them?
1: Uh, it, you know, to get, take the scientific approach, beliefs and faiths like that can be good for you and people can be happier, you know, believing those kind of things. Uh, you know, I think in general, if you looked at it, like people with religious beliefs are happier than those without. Um, And I wouldn't... Like I'll obviously I'll ask for your, your granny's email address and I'll send her an email after the show just telling her why her views are wrong. But generally, uh I wouldn't like I don't I don't go after people. You know, if somebody tells me they're religious unless they want to have a conversation about it, in which case I'm totally fine with that, I wouldn't go after people and say But but it does lead to you know, it can lead to dangerous things. Like, you know, well, it says in the Bible that this is wrong. Which is often, is often not, like, I think it's kind of funny that like, people might say, oh, well, I'm Christian or I'm Catholic. But I kind of feel like nobody really is in a way. Because everybody takes their own parts of the Bible that they want and leaves behind the rest of them. You know, like, I'm sure your granny probably wouldn't stone to death someone who touched the skin of a pig or anything like that, you know? So everybody's kind of taking, well, these are the bits that I think I like or that fit Often, What often shapes our beliefs is what the people around us believe. Like, that's the most common predictor of... Religious and political beliefs, and or belief in, if everyone around you doesn't believe in global warming, you probably won't believe in global warming either. It's it's you're you and you'll often probably, you know, change. You come up with a, a reason why you've changed your your belief on something, but it's probably just because most people around you have have ch- changed or believe that it's just difficult to to be the only person in a room who believes one way where everybody else is believing the other. Mm. Um so I don't know, I've run out of steam on that thought.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, it's good. It, yeah, it's I don't even remember how we got onto it, but yeah. it, it's always interesting. It's always in like because I feel like a lot of people now in this day and age are where they're they're like, I'm not religious but I'm spiritual. Like that'd be a very common sentiment. Yeah.
1: I, I think Which I never really understand what that means. Yeah. Like I actually don't know.
0: Yeah. Do
1: you have a theory? Well, like, what does that mean to be spiritual?
0: Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's something that I say. But I I think I I I think what it means is that they don't subscribe to like. Yeah, they they don't read the Bible and they don't you know and and they believe that abortion is should be a thing because that's like obviously something that you know is a thing going on now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or they believe that you know that the gay people are okay and 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 these things. Um. But that they also believe. That there is something like out there, and I, you're right. It's vague. I don't know how to talk mm. about it. But like that, people have a feeling of something like a, a, like a, a higher power. I suppose. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you don't you don't feel that.
1: As you know, to atheism as well is a, is a different, a difficult thing to um, describe because you know it's one word, but it can kind of mean a lot of things. Uh, to me, it would mean, and to I think most atheists, is like, well, if you can prove that there is a, a creator God, then wow, that'd be an amazing discovery. But until you can prove it, I won't believe it. And it, and but that's more than what some people might think of as agnostic, which is like, well, anything's true, maybe. Um, I would think if you showed me the Bible, I'm like, this doesn't seem very likely, all of this stuff. And uh, like the idea of this racist God that only sends his messengers down to one small area of the Mediterranean and, you know, just hates Chinese people. So didn't bother with them. It's like, ah, listen, listen, I don't care about them. I'm just let me send one more burning bush down to Judah, because I think that's where that's the real area that I like all the other places. Rubbish. Mm. Um. Yeah, so the Bible, I'm definitely not a believer in and and uh I mean although, you know, yeah, there's probably some history and all, all that kind of found somewhere in the books, but um I I think often that that belief of God does come from uh being told about being told the stories of the Bible when mm. you were a kid.
0: As a writer, do you think that like, you know, you want to talk about, like, stuff like The Hero's Journey or, like, uh, like I don't know if you're familiar with like, Joseph Campbell. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff, like, the myth and, like, the Christ. I've dog. never read
1: it, but, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll say, oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, I'm a writer. I know about it. I've never read it. I mean, I read the simplified version of it, obviously, yes, yeah, uh, Save the Cat or something, but, like, <laughs> I've never read that book. Come on.
0: Do, do, do you, like, you know, because I've heard people say, and I haven't really thought about it enough, but let me just throw it out to you, um... I've heard people say that, like, if right the world was to to end, we were all just wiped out from everything gone, and like then you know we we start again, like as a as a, a race of humans. So, like, however this happens, right? But like the same stories will come back because like that's there's something inherent in the human spirit that just loves that that Christ story, that story of redemption, whatever that is. Do you uh- a savior? Yeah,
1: um, yeah. There may be similar. Yeah, there there is key things that you can see in the myths of different uh, religions or, you know, that kind of thing around the world. So, like, a few things. But the, but they're probably just good storytelling. Although, I think a lot of the stories in the Bible don't match up to good storytelling mm. um, as we would now see it. Like, there's a lot of like, if you were to take that t- t- and look at it from the point of view of uh, of the modern day Hollywood script writing, you'd be like, yeah, um, is this much of a betrayal by Judas? Because how did the Romans not know what Jesus looked like? I mean, he was doing sermons on mounts and stuff. I mean, everyone knew what Jesus was looked like. So they were going to arrest Jesus and they're like, yeah, but which one is he? I mean, who can we ask? Who could we possibly... We need to ask one of his closest aides, uh, one of his believers. I mean, there's hundreds of believers out there. I mean, and you know, who've all seen him. Uh, we could ask anyone. Just ask anyone on the street, which one's Jesus? And they'd be like, oh, it's that guy there. Like, he just turned loaves into fishes or whatever it was. Um, never doing a note session with you. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I do occasionally... Yeah, but that's a different story. I do occasionally, like, try to help you know someone will send me a script of theirs and i'll and i'll but i do try to stick to the maximum of like well i want to encourage you whatever this is to try and find the the story in the script so rather than yeah taking things down i'll be like okay this this is where you can improve that story and this is where you know you need to have that Jesus is somehow hiding his identity and Judas is he's 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 let Judas in on it in some way for us to be to believe this
0: Jesus uh, needs to be in a screen mask from the start he needs to preach yes, in a screen yeah, yeah, mask yes yeah yeah um what what do you, when you write and um other different things that you do write were you rough magic seed a few years yes, ago yes it was yeah right so what do you have you in terms of do you like to write uh because you know, when the podcast you had a co-host and stuff, and that's yeah. a collaborative thing, improvising, super collaborative. Do you like the solitude of writing and like going off, and however you choose to do it and doing it, or do you write in a team, or how do you navigate that?
1: These days, I don't much write at all. Uh, I, I've written kind of short things, um, which I, uh, I'm doing some of in in this one man variety show that I'm doing in February, yeah. um, I. I don't enjoy writing by myself that much. But I, I've written in teams before, and specifically I had a writing partner, the same guy who bullied me on stage uh, to do stand-up comedy, my friend Nicky, uh, who we were writing partners for years and um, failed to get anything anywhere. And uh, and then, then he moved to London, so we kind of split as writing partners. And... Um, he teamed up with this guy that we vaguely knew from college. Um, he, w- we'd worked on, or he had worked, Nikki had worked on a thing with him. Uh, a guy by the name of Chris O'Dowd. And uh, so Nikki teamed up with Chris and they wrote Moonboy. And it was a huge success. I'm very happy for Nicky. Uh, You know, it's I mean, it's great that one of us managed to uh, write a, a big sitcom. You know, and... And if it was uh, that he lost the dead weight and uh, managed to go off and have, I mean, great. Listen, you know what? A, no, I'm still friends with Nikki, but uh, it is funny that uh, as soon as our partnership ended, he was like, "Right, I'm actually on TV now. This is going great." So, but the funny, the thing, like, when, 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 I, whenever I was writing with Nikki it would kind of be like, oh, I wish I could just take this off and I would just get this done. Like, this... It's it's a nightmare writing with another person. And as soon as I'm not writing with anyone, I'm like... Like, when you're writing a script by yourself, you're, you leave it at the end of the day and then you come back the next day and you're like, this is exactly the same as I left it. No one has done anything to this. Like, this is... This is exactly the same problems that I had yesterday. No one has progressed this story at all. No one else is pulling their weight here. Um... But yeah, but I, I guess I found it like I wrote this play called Jezebel and it did well and it toured around and then I wrote, I just had difficulty writing something else full length and uh, yeah, had difficulty with that. So I, I've i written, I've written kind of short pieces um, that I'm doing in this one man variety show next month where ostensibly it's a variety show um, where I'm going to be attempting I'm going to be acting, improvising, mime, uh, dance, uh, stand-up comedy, maybe vaguely singing. Uh, I'm just going to be trying to do everything on stage. Um, but there's kind of something a bit more to them. Like some of the some of the parts have stories to them, which I think um, are kind of a bit more. Like it's it's mostly a comedy show, but there are some sweet parts to it as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and people tend to... Like, people enjoy the comedy parts, but people come away kind of remembering the sweet parts, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, so I just found it easier. I started writing... I've written a few things since Jezebel, but they just haven't really got traction. I haven't written a full-length play. But I've written sitcom scripts, and and I, I started writing... I had a couple of ideas here and there... Which just seemed to suit um, being written as those, you know, those Pixar shorts that are the start of the Pixar films that are usually wordless comedy films, Mm -hmm. um, physical comedy things. So I was just like interested in that. It was like, I find that interesting sometimes. Like I did it. I did it as an exercise a while ago to write an episode of 30 Rock and an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, two sitcoms that I really liked. And I was like, hmm, could I do this? Could I write for a sitcom that I, I'm not I'm not the originator of? And that was, yeah, it was just an interesting exercise and I'm really kind of proud of the scripts that I wrote for them. And then, again, I was like, okay, could I write a five- to ten-minute wordless uh, comedy, which I could imagine being... Um, uh, a cartoon And and so I wrote A, cu- a couple of those things and, and then I've returned to that A few times over the years I'm like Oh I had not, I had this idea You know maybe it's not A full length thing But maybe I could write it As a silent thing And so then I've kind of adapted those Into pieces for this One man variety show mm.
0: um, Yeah And so what is your relationship to writing now is it something that you're doing every day or once a week or n- n- very very rarely
1: i used to do it once every day mm. yeah i would turn up now i do it rarely mm. maybe once a week i might go and try and do some now after after we chat here um but yeah i've spent i spend a lot more time organizing improv and i do a lot of video editing as well or writing for screen, and I've been, yeah, working on a house. Um, but, um, yeah, I kind of want to write more, but I found it, and I find it very difficult mm. these days. I mean, I was a writer for a long time, and, yeah, it's just difficult because of, you know, some unhappinesses in my life. I just found it increasingly difficult to be alone staring at a computer and try- and like you're just thinking about things like for so long as a writer yeah like you're just sitting there like okay time to start thinking and then think thoughts inevitably turn to just dark thoughts
0: did you find a way uh, <laughs> This this is a, it's a, it's a it's such a silly quote, but it's a quote from Kick Ass Two. Uh and I haven't it's not seen it. Yeah. Uh I, I don't know if I've seen it either. Oh. I know it from a uh, uh from a podcast that I like to listen to called You Made It Weird, and it's hosted by a guy Pete Holmes. I think I mentioned him earlier. Yeah. He, he's a show crashing. You you might like it actually. It's like set in New York about him trying to make it in stand up. I think I watched the first episode
1: and I was like, Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I know. yeah. there's a few Shows in the states at the moment where it's just kind of people loafing around, and I am not really like, um, as he's on Sari's show, Ma- what's that called, Masters and On. Masters of None is the same, Love mm. is kind of the same. Paul Ruston, um, it's just kind of people loafing around. I'm like, ah, I kind of feel like I need something to be happening, yeah, but anyway, yeah,
0: interesting. What I was gonna say was that that quote, it was like, um, because that's that's really interesting because I'm probably on that place now where like I'm pretty much writing. If not every day, certainly like I would say five or six days a week. Yeah. Like, so I'm on. I'm. It's a good. That's great. Pl- and, I, and I and I'm in a place where I love it. Yeah. And I was just wondering where. Um. But a friend of mine was talking recently, and we were just talking about like what it like because she's someone who who writes, but like just doesn't have that. I don't know, is that a desire or a drive or whatever it is to do it like that that frequently. And we were talking about like why that is, because I don't think it's even necessary. That I'm some super disciplined person. So I I really love it. Like I yeah. Re- I love sitting down with that. The quote from Kick-Ass 2 is, it's take your pain and make something beautiful. Um, It's quite a nice quote, like from a from a... I assume it's a silly little action we haven't seen. Yeah. But, what, like, is that important for your... Like, how important is, like, that darkness and that unhappiness that might be going on in your life to feed that into your creativity? Or is that... Do you work in a different way to that?
1: It's not often... I suppose, you know, it does influence... It has influenced stories here and there in... Ways that I think are not perceptible. um, Like, like I, there, there's a thing that's in the one-man variety show and a friend came to see and was like, uh, how did you sum up my life? And I was like, that's my life. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, could I write something without unhappiness? I think so. I mean, I hope so, but I think... There's a, a drive that comes from that, like what we were talking about earlier, that search for love, you know, pushes you to keep pushing at something, you know, be like, like uh, almost a mania sometimes, you know, like, OK, you know, I I need to push this further. I need to get this. It needs to be better. It needs to be better. It needs to be better. Although that's not often how you would see me if you saw me at work. Like, that guy's a maniac. You'd be like, that guy is <laughs> just tapping on a keyboard occasionally. Or that guy just gets on stage and dicks about for a while. Uh, doesn't seem like he's a maniac. Maybe I need more mania. Um,
0: Does the search for love come from like an absence of love in from the world around yourself or from family or friends that you feel? Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you know any artists... Do you believe it's possible to be a a, a really good artist? Now, I use artists in the word, like, just whatever it is, creativity, cre- creatively. Without that absence? Do you think everyone starts trying to fill that hole?
1: I, You know, it must be possible. But there's something driving a person. I was chatting to friends about this recently and about you know, they were kind of of the opinion that incredible talent or ability can just be inbuilt and I don't really believe that's true. I think if any any great artist or something has I think been at that a long time. I I believe in the 10,000 hours thing, which is often a mis quoted I think as if you do 10,000 hours of anything you'll be a master of it I think what Gladwell is saying rather or what that idea is saying rather that to be a master of it you need to do 10,000 hours nobody just walks on stage and is amazing but that can be an associated thing like I was pretty good at improv when I started it not as good as I may be now um, you know through practice again, like you know, I've improved, but I didn't. That wasn't just inbuilt in me. Like I've been acting since I was a kid, and I've been writing since I was a teenager. And so, and like going at like a script every day, you know, be like, okay, how could I improve this? And where is story? How does story work? Or what what would be the connections here? How could I um, mold a joke out of these lines? Or you know, all day long, I was working at that stuff. And so then, when I did improv, which is kind of a new skill. But it's associated with it, you know. The, I'm still bringing those things to bear, you know. Like, here's that here's that trick I've used before, uh, of like how to write a joke or you know stuff like that. Um, my friend was like, yeah, but what about that guy we were in school with? Like, he would just not bother with music class. We were in music class all day long, and he would just not bother with it. And then when he when you could get actually convince him to be bothered, he would just create something amazing. And I and I said, and I didn't know that guy's background. I was like, yeah, but what was his deal? Is, are his parents musicians? And my friend was like, yeah, his parents are musicians. So he was around music all his life. Like, And I'm sure they instilled in him like, oh, listen, you know, as a kid, they were like, yeah, play this, play that, you know, try it. Why don't you try it with the piano? Like, ah, I see. This will improve it if you do it like this. And so, yeah, just having that. So, but also coupled with that, as well as that, like, Gladwell, again, talks about how he was a great middle-distance runner as a kid. But they were doing this thing called, I don't know, something hill climb. They were just at the start of this hill. It was a massive hill. And the two guys he was with were like, let's go for it. And he just reached a point point. he was like, do you know what, I actually don't feel the need to do this. I don't know why I'm doing this. And he just turned around and walked home and then was never really a runner after that. I think... Couple with that, there's got to be something in you that's driving you to, like, keep this going, keep this going, because it is difficult, you know? Mm. Like, pushing at these things, you know, I, I've been pushing at these things for many years, and as you may have noticed, uh, I'm not a huge household name, uh, or sitcom star, or star of stage and screen and stuff, so why do I still keep pushing at it? And... Yeah, I mean possibly I'm kind of halfway in between like I I haven't had the absolute um like I'm I, as I said, I'm I was kind of a shy person. I'm a recovering shy person as I say. Um but uh you know, it's partially about getting in people's faces and saying, I'm the guy, by mm. the way, I'm the guy. No, like someone that I know and this is in Islam. Uh, I don't know if I should say this person, but something I said earlier in the conversation, not Nikki, mm. that is just very good at that. Mm. And that's why he's a big star. Is that, like, and even I went, I'll say it's Chris O'Dowd. Mm. That, and this is, like, he's very good. He remembers everybody. Like, whenever I see Chris, and I met him only a handful of times, they're like, Mark, how's it going? Oh, great to see you. Oh, my God. Jesus, how have you been doing? And uh, and then I went to the rap party of Moonboy and uh, and I hadn't worked on it. I'd auditioned for it. I'd auditioned for all three series for one-line parts and didn't get any of them. We're like, thanks, thanks, Nicky. Yeah, it's going great. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to the rap party anyway and I, I spotted him across the room just a moment after he had spotted me. And I saw him then walking to the other side of the room and I'm, t- you know... I was I was the, I'm not I'm the fail writer, but he came over to the other side of the room to say hi to me and be like, Mark, how's it going? Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Like, just as you know, partially that's a, 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 a like it's a natural warmth and kindness or something, but as well, I think there's a partial amount of like, make sure I say hi to everybody in the room because who knows who could be important or who who knows where any connection could lead to, mm. and. Yeah, I guess, you know, I haven't had that... I haven't overcome my shyness through that desire, through that burning need to get to where I want to go to. Yeah. Uh, You know, I don't know. I, You know, I'm just out of saying nothing really comes natural. I'm sure there's there's something in Chris that, um, you know, pushes him to do that and has given him the skill to do that.
0: Mm. What do you think, like... It was interesting. I mean it's yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that. Like, you know, you've been plugging away for for years and like you're not the household name as of now, like yeah. to, to quote yourself. What what do you oh, think she's t- alright? <laughs> I I just didn't want to make it sound like I was <laughs> accusing you of not being a household name. Yes, no. Um what what do you, but it's funny, you haven't said it, that it like be we, a fair accusation. No, but we've never met and like, yeah. I would have heard of you and I knew you were had gone through rough magic and I know oh, Jezebel okay. and I know your podcast. So it mm. is also interesting. But yeah. I, I completely accept your point. What is it the thing though that keeps you going? And like w- like have you come close to quitting? What's the thing that hasn't made you quit yet? Uh
1: partially but, yeah, there's still that like, maybe I could, you know, if I just get the right thing right. And and this year I'm like, okay, if I do this, this and this, these are the things I have three projects in my mind, apart from the one man show um, that I want to do this year for film to film because I, cause I can film stuff and I can film stuff pretty well by myself at home mm. um, that maybe could lead to things. Two of them I haven't written, and one of them I want to rewrite. So, you know, I probably won't get all the way through them. But like, if if I did the right thing, would it overcome? But but there is still the problem of like if I produce, I have to produce something undeniable, a sick, undeniable sitcom. This is hilarious to overcome the fact that people don't know, like the general public. Like you work in theater or whatever, sure. so you may have heard of me, um, but. Uh, the general public, like your mum has never heard of me or whatever, you know. Um, Whereas... My
0: granny hadn't until you sent her that email. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I listen. I'm a man of action. I said it while we were chatting here. Uh, I just, re- I just, all that stuff I was saying about religion. I just WhatsApped her that. I was just recording. I just texted it on to her, and uh, she got back to me. She was like, "You're right. You're actually right. Uh, there's nothing there, is there? All right. Thanks a lot. God bless. I mean, not God bless. Obviously, um, just nothing. Nothing bless. Uh, thanks a lot, Mark. Um, so. Yes, that, that like, because, and almost reasonably so, a TV channel wants you to come to them with a built-in audience. Like, if they don't have to, um, if you, you're already a household name, people are going to turn in, tune on, tune on, turn in. People are going to tune in or turn on to see that show. Like, oh, such and such is doing a show. Um I'm trying to think of something. If Sonny Sullivan did a sitcom tomorrow, people would be like, I'm tuning in to see Sonia O'Sullivan's sitcom. What the hell is going on? Um, so like I have to overcome the Sonia Sullivan factor uh by making something that a TV channel will be like, Yes, it's gonna be difficult for us to build up an audience, but only through the fact that this is great will we will we do that. Mm. And I'm well working on the other stuff as well, do you know, where trying to build an audience where if I just did anything people would be like oh that guy's doing something great let's see it
0: Mm. yeah Yeah. it's interesting I mean yeah look we're pretty much we're pretty much there in terms of time yeah. but like one of the things not that, a one not yeah. a one what are the, what are the, what's the probability of that how many balls did we get well in? we did we did like three three that's uh, that's that's, 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 that's
1: pathetic yeah so that's no. I didn't stand much of a chance there <laughs> yeah, at all I mean there's six I was never going to get to ask you a question because there's yes uh, we only got through three balls
0: I mean we were having the chats
1: we were no it was great fun
0: there was two there was two things I was going to say to you um, I don't know what I'm saying. They just made me think of them. Um, one I heard another thing the other day. Um, I think it was the same guy. It was it Pete Holmes? I listen to a lot of his podcast. Yeah, has a really good podcast.
1: Um, Pete Holmes, I'll listen to his podcast when I know the person on and if I think it'll be tolerable. But sometimes because they go on for so long, yes. and I'm like,
0: oh, shut up, yeah. <laughs> I, I like a long one. Yeah. Yeah, like I think if I was li- a listener to my podcast I'd be like it's too short. Do you know yeah. what I, mean? I like a long. But anyway, he said the 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 the, the and it's always a bit cringe We can comes-
1: snip that out. I like a long one. And uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to create put a dance beat behind that feel free. Send it <laughs> in. It so it'll be the, it'll like
0: be it. the new theme
1: tune for his uh, longer version of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um but they were saying that the key to like it's weird, it's always cringe calling it showbiz but like let's be right, it, like it is it's like mm-hmm. the key to like succeeding in in showbiz is just not quitting yeah like, that like that is literally that is the only like the only thing like you have to not do all the other yeah. things yeah there's loads of there's loads of things but also like i when you were saying and i agree like the Sanya Sullivan factor first of all is a hilarious name we need to <laughs> have a book published with that like a how to guide but yeah. also like in in some weird way at the same time to like not underestimate that that's also like quite an interesting currency because I completely accept it. and I'm in the same position as you with someone like who's like you know um just grafting away and trying to yeah create an audience but I yeah. trying to make something undeniable that you could say look I know I'm a nobody but this is so good that that doesn't matter yeah but also there's a real currency in no one knowing who you are because that means that someone. Has this like little surprise, this little like secret weapon if oh, they yeah. find it. There's the, you know, it's yeah. the yin to the yang of it, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, to be like that's something that I, we're cry, trying to create with tightrope every Sunday and Monday in uh Please come. Uh, is that it is an underground thing at the moment? I mean, improv is huge in the States, yeah. and, and so many of the people that we love on in film and TV have come from improv, Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and uh, Adam McKay and all the rest of them. Uh That at the moment, it, it, like I think that what we're aiming for is this is we're aiming f- for this at the moment to be somebody's secret is like, I go to see improv. It's a new thing. Like people are kind of, you know, people are used to stand up comedy, but at the moment, like improv is like, why did you come out and see people make up a play on the spot? It's like, what? What is that? So, yeah, I don't know. We're looking for that. Yeah, for that cult thing, I guess, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Mark, it's been deadly chatting. Sorry we only got you. so few no, numbers. No, no, no. But we had is. a lovely time. Yeah, yeah. Um, do me a favour. Um, the show sounds deadly, by the way. Genuine sounds very cool. So will you tell us where we can see it and all the bits and bobs? Yes. Any social media, whatever you want.
1: It's, uh, it's on the 21st to the 24th of February in the Pierce Centre, which is 27 Pierce Street. You won't believe that's a real place, but it is a real place. Uh, Tom can confirm. That is a theatre. Yeah. Um. So it's on four nights. It's at the moment... Well, I don't know when this podcast is going out.
0: Whenever you need it to come out.
1: Okay, well, until the end of until the end of January there's early bird tickets for eight Euros, then it'll be ten euros. So it's not an expensive here's here's what I would promise to you. I mean, it'll be funny and it'll be sweet, but I promise to you, as I promise to the audience when I walk on stage, it won't be embarrassing. Like when you come and see it, you won't be like, Oh god, that was an awkward experience. That was just even if even if there's three of us there and you don't feel like in the mood for laughing It'll still be a nice experience. I won't be worried that, you know, there isn't huge laughs. You won't be worried. Uh, yeah, there's 60 seats. If, if you want more updates on that, you can follow me on Twitter. My name is Mark Cantan. Think of it like a sentence. I don't know if you put photos up with the with the things, but I'm slightly tanned for an Irish person. Mark Cantan, that's how that's how to remember my name. I'm on Twitter as that. But people are often giving out their Twitter handles do you ever just type someone's Twitter handle? Like, Twitter has a search function. I always want to say when I'm listening to a podcast, like, Twitter has a search function. I have never gone, like, yeah, I'll follow that person on Twitter. What's their exact Twitter handle so I can find this out? It is not TJ Miller. Right. Okay, I'll remember that. I'll just search for TJ Miller or whatever the thing is. Yeah.
0: Well, look, we know where to find you now. Yes. No matter what.
1: So, please come to the show. Please come. I'll be there. I also want Please to see come. one of the improv nights
0: because I'm, I'm yes. I love improv. I'm fascinated. Oh great! By it. And uh, and I lived in Chicago for a year. and oh, wow. Spent a load of time in Second City and like did yeah. some classes there. So like I'm actually oh, fascinated man. in it. Then and why I'm, the hell have you not been there already? Why I know you should be getting involved. It's very silly. Yeah. So that that's something that I that I that I, that I will do. So I will see you twice in the next Brilliant. six weeks. Brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I a sub plug then for improv fans. Um, in the Seen and Heard Festival one of my improv groups Autocorrept are doing a show as well called My Granny is a Legend but please come I mean there's there's several of us promoting that please come to the one man show that's the most important thing okay and then once you see the one man show you'll be like ah let's go and see the thing as well so yeah but, but
0: please please come to the please come to the one man show <laughs> My Granny is now an atheist so
1: there you go yes
0: Mark thanks so much for doing it thanks Tom So, guys, that was Mark Canton playing personality bingo with Tom Moran. A massive thank you to Mark for taking the time to do it. Mark was someone who I hadn't met, but I was really aware of. I'd listened to his podcast, I'd been aware of his writing. So, it was really lovely to get to sit down and, uh, and have a chat. And um, we really got into it. It was a really, really great, honest chat. So, Mark, if you're listening, thank you so much. I will see you at the Pierce Centre uh, at the end of February. Guys, in other news, as I said, come check me out in Romeo and Juliet at the Mill Theatre. We've got a stellar cast out there. It's a lovely place to work. And I think the play is going to be really, really smashing. Uh, it's one of the most romantic plays of all time oh my gosh it's so gorgeous to get to do it Um, so I'd love if you come and check it out Uh, uh, also come and see uh, my play Uh, I will tell you more about it when I can but that's going to be previewing uh, at the end of March and we're going to run into the middle of April and I would love to see you guys there it's going to be Dublin City Centre and hopefully we might get to do a little tour of it uh, later in this year or early next year Um, in other news a massive thank you to Taz Kelleher as always for mixing, editing and producing this podcast she is the boss woman and she is also the boss woman at In The Shower with Taz and Marcus Also on the Headstuff Podcast Network In other, other, other news A massive thank you to Connor Nolan For the brilliant artwork as always To Leah Moore and Anthony Manley For their absolutely stellar steam- theme music Steam music, I mean it does get steamy It's very, very sexy to hear my name Repeated into your earbuds over and over like that And as always to Alan and Paddy For all the work they do at Head Stuff And everyone else on the team I'm delighted to be a part of it um, And I'm delighted that you guys are a part of this journey too If you enjoy the podcast Please tell a friend Please tweet about it Please Facebook about it whatever you want to do. Give us a rating on iTunes, subscribe, all the good stuff that I say every week that no one probably cares about. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Personality Bingo with me, Tom personality.